Nomura Business Resumption Index uh, yesterday, which has estimated that business activity, which had returns of pre-pandemic levels in February has just plunged to 76% of the pre-pandemic uh, level now. I, I presume that this is going to have a big impact on the economy. Yeah, definitely a, a short-term um, impact, I think, would be the minimum. Uh, it's hard to assess exactly in terms of GDP numbers for the benefit of listeners. Uh, and most of the measurements will come too late for us to know the real impact. So, what you want to be looking at is the, is the lead, uh, high frequency indicators of electricity consumption, mobile phone usage, mobility, and all of those will show a, a, a significant decline in April. And as long as the pandemic doesn't extend through May into June too aggressively, you would expect that it'll be a short, sharp hit to the economic uh, recovery. Having said that, the sectors of manufacturing, agriculture and all of online services are probably holding up pretty well, mm -hmm. um, given that they're well set for... Um, you know, for this type of condition. So really, it's a bit early to say there clearly will be an impact. But given the base effect of last year's decline, um, we're still forecasting in most cases around uh, the economic uh, analysis of, you know, double digit growth in India this year. So it really depends how long and how deep this uh, pandemic lasts uh, to determine the economic impact. Toby, once again, thank you very much for the update this week. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Societe Generale India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Asian stocks are falling across the board this morning. In Australia, the SX200 is down 0.6%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan off 0.4%. The Cosby in South Korea also down 0.4%. Uh, and it looks like the Hang Seng is going to open in negative ter territory by a similar amount as well. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil dropping now $67.87 a barrel. And gold is also off slightly at $1,771 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this week. Have a great weekend. Do please join me again on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chat after the news with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. The weather forecast for today, fine. Hot during the day with a maximum temperature of around 30 degrees. The outlook mainly fine and hot during the weekend. A few showers on Sunday night and early next week. 24 degrees right now, 81% relative humidity. 8.32, Samantha Butler has the half-hour news. President Biden has addressed a rally in the U.S. state of Georgia to mark his 100th day in office. Cars sounded their horns in support of the president at the drive-in rally near Atlanta. I promised, even before I was sworn in, that I would get, in my first 100 days, 100 million COVID vaccine shots in people's arms. We've lost over 550,000 Americans. Well, we delivered over 220 million COVID shots in the first 100 days. We got 100 million doses of vaccine, enough for every single American. Everyone over the age of 16 is now eligible to get vaccinated right away. So please do it. Get vaccinated now. Now, now, now. Georgia is the first stop on a tour by Mr. Biden to urge Americans to support his plans to spend trillions of dollars rebuilding the economy. Official figures from the United States show the economy grew at an annual rate of 6.4% in the first three months of the year, a significantly stronger growth than in the previous quarter, coinciding with the start of the country's vaccination program. Here's the BBC's Andrew Walker. 
The US economy is still somewhat behind the level of activity at the end of 2019 before the health crisis. The improvement at the beginning of this year reflected the reopening of some closed businesses and government spending, including payments to households to offset the economic damage done by the pandemic. Consumer spending rose strongly. It's likely that the vaccination programme and additional government spending measures will support further growth in the current period. Brazil has announced more than 400,000 people have now died with the coronavirus as the country's health services continue to struggle. Experts expect fatalities to remain high for months in spite of a slight decline in the past two weeks. Here's the BBC's Leonardo Rocha. The health ministry has reported another 3,000 deaths in the past day. The second wave of the pandemic, which in Brazil began in December, has left Brazilians exhausted, and disillusioned and in many cases angry. There have been significant delays to the country's vaccination program, while President Jair Bolsonaro continues to reject lockdown measures introduced by local authorities. Earlier this week, Congress opened an inquiry to investigate his role in the health crisis. The investigation could lead to Mr. Bolsonaro's impeachment ahead of next year's elections. Brazil has the second highest number of COVID deaths in the world after the United States. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about the future of Cathay Pacific and the aviation industry and controversy over the immigration ordinance. Hong Kong's flag carrier Cathay Pacific is offering local-based pilots and cabin crew voluntary redundancy as part of efforts to further slash costs to stay afloat amid the ongoing pandemic. In an internal memo sent to staff on Wednesday, the carrier said despite mass vaccinations and travel bubbles being formed, the pace of recovery is still highly unpredictable as the prospect of resuming international travel remains clouded in uncertainties. So what is the future for Cathay Pacific? Should the government's support continue, for example? What's going to happen to the pilots and the other staff? Will the aviation industry as a whole ever be what it once was? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave comments on our Facebook page, Backshot and RTHK Radio 3. Or you can call us, and our telephone number is 233-88266. Join the conversation. Or you can email us, our address, backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages. Our, our guests in the, um, the, the main section of the show, Achim, Achim Cherny, who's Associate Professor at the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at Hong Kong Polytechnic University, and Stanley Khan. Stanley Khan is Chairman of the Greater Bay Areas Aviation Exchange Association. Just a few comments from our Facebook page. Uh, Marcus uh, says, uh, a travel bubble indicates restriction-free movement between two places, not four tests at great expense, limited flights, and almost quarantine-like hotel and transport requirements. This is, I guess, inspired by our conversation yesterday about the travel bubble and, and what's happening in Singapore. Uh, Marcus says, no business traveller would bother with this, and certainly not tourists. It's just charter flights for stranded citizens of the two places. Uh, he also says, will the redundancy pay, this is referring to Cathay, will the redundancy pay be coming out of CX staff's MPF accounts? And Horatio says, the easiest way to destroy your enemy is to install unreasonable rules and regulations while cheekily starting your own airline. Let's be clear, safety and service records can't be bought. There is only one variable in that formula, time. That's from Horatio. Our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. Uh, Achim Chani, good, good morning. Let's go to you first. 
good morning. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to Back Chat. Now, Cafe has said that uh, not just in the short term, but in the medium term, they don't see any significant recovery in, um, um, in, in the air travel, at least as far as they're concerned. And, of course, they're just operating on, what, um, 2 or 3%, isn't it? Or just a tiny fraction of their, their normal capacity. So, I think... Yes. Yeah. So Passen- passenger traffic is, I think, even uh, lower, less than 1% okay. they had uh, in previous years. Yeah. So we're looking at, in, uh, not just in the short term, in the medium term, 1% one, one or so of passenger traffic. It's uh, absolutely unsustainable, isn't it? Uh, of course, it's, <laughs> it's a disaster for the airlines. There's no doubt about it. And uh, a lot will depend on, uh, a lot has to do with the quarantine uh, requirements. And as long as they are required, I think traveling is very unattractive and uh, that then the numbers will be uh, uh, remaining low. So how can they be lifted? Well, it will depend on the development of the, of the, uh, of the pandemic uh, globally and, of course, in particular areas. Uh, and also on the back, uh, and of course, the, the the development of the pandemic will depend on the vaccination. So, uh, so uh, it may be easier to lift some of the requirements to some places that are very good in vaccinating uh, their their people, and uh, and hopefully there can be some improvement. But yeah, overall, the situation, as we know, there are some areas in the world that are, that they are so bad, and then there are these mutants coming. There's so much uncertainty. So I think. Just saying that in the medium term everything will be back to normal or, or, or much better. I think it's it's it's, it's highly uncertain. It's just difficult to tell, uh, and there is a, a significant risk. I mean, we know that with the, this this uh, this pandemic is just so um, uh, it's it's just so so bad. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it really has. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the effects have been really, really, really bad. And I mean, it all took much longer than what we thought. And and um, so, yeah, let's see. I think there's so much uncertainty involved. So I think having, assuming that even in the medium term, there will be some, there will, this situation will still be difficult, I think is reasonable. Uh, I mean, we've always, you know, heard that the airline industry offered on, uh, operated on razor thin margins. Uh, and as you say, this has been a disaster. Why haven't most airlines gone out of business already? Um, uh, some airlines uh, went out of business, of course. Um, uh, airlines are often considered... Um, airline industry is a little, or the air transport industry is a little bit special uh, in the sense that it's considered as a strategic industry for many areas locally. So mm. governments, local governments, are then willing to step in to protect their local airlines so that they uh, maintain their businesses because they are considered as a strategic element. So for Hong Kong, uh, Cathay Pacific having the airline, uh, established the airline for so many years, uh, decades, uh, is, is important because the Hong Kong industry is, hi- is highly depending on having a good connectivity to other places in the world. So the air transport business, the airline business, is, is, is a crucial uh, uh, sector for the economy, the Hong Kong economy as a whole. And this is true for other places as well, and this is why governments are then uh, often um, willing to support the airlines and to keep them alive. But how long can governments continue bailing out airlines? Well, um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, recovery uh, will, you know, they're, they're having... Uh, 
an airline serving the areas with good connectivity, good services is, is, is simply important. And there are a lot of costs associated with the, with the, uh, with the pandemic. I mean, uh, what is the alternative? Uh, letting them um, uh, go down, and then once the economy recovers, then develop a new airline and then rehire staff, and what do you do with all the talented people and highly uh, experienced people, then you need to sort of get them back. Uh, starting from scratch, it's, it's, it's you know, the, there, is a, there are also some costs associated with this. So you have an airline, it's a um, world-class airline, and uh, so um, I think there is, although it is costly, I think there is an important point of just helping them uh, staying afloat. Could you end up then with an industry which is just all flag carriers? No, I don't. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think so. No, no. The the aviation industry altogether. I mean, now the situation is very specific. Uh, of course, we have this this the, the pandemic, which is you know just international traffic is is <laughs> almost inexistent, uh, and that's that's a, that's a big problem, which is, is that, uh, particularly um, um, uh, is difficult for for Cathay, where basically all the flights are international. Um, so once, but the air transport itself is still an industry which is, once the pandemic is over, will be a booming industry. Uh, people want to travel. People want to fly. Uh, aircraft are becoming, will be becoming, uh, flying will become greener. Flying will become cheaper uh, in, in, in certain aspects. Cathay now with their, uh, now they have Hong Kong Express, so they're part of the low-cost business will be part of their, will become part of their business. Part of the low-cost business is offering, uh, you know, sort of lower service quality, but yeah, at, a cheap, at lower uh, prices. So this is very attractive for customers. And then, uh, yeah, so the, the market will recover. And then, of course, not only flag carriers will be part of that business, um, but there is, there is place for, for other carriers as well. You said once the pandemic is over, but, I mean, people, they're, they're already saying, aren't they, we're going to continue to have to have um, COVID vaccinations probably every year, just permanently going forward. COVID, COVID will never be over, and it's true that um, oh, oh, it'll be brought yeah. under better control. But isn't mm. it possible you, you're never going to go back to the, the situation you had previously with the aviation industry? Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, there are the, the. I think the travel environment, the travel, you know, travel experience will be changing. I mean, we will have uh, IATA, the International Air Transport Association, uh, and other organizations are developing such things as like travel passes that uh, provide records about your, let's say, uh, testing results and perhaps I don't know uh, about vaccinations and so on and so forth. So travel, travel experience uh, will be changing, but that's a good thing uh, because uh, the, 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 I think what the industry needs to do right now is not only overcome the current pandemic, but also think about how to avoid uh, future pandemics of this extent. So what can you do? How can you prepare the industry so that you can make traveling uh, safer, 
in the future, given knowing the having the experience with these with with uh, virus outbreaks, and uh, yeah, so there will be certain measures. Uh, but yeah, we will get used to this, and this will be part of the of, of traveling as it is now. All the increased security. Um, uh, checks after 9/11. Uh, I think this is just uh, yeah. It's a dynamic industry. It's evolving all the time, but it doesn't mean that it, that it's gonna sort of die or or that it won't be uh, remain competitive in the future. Airlines and the air transport industry will become profitable uh, again in the future. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But yeah. But uh, it, it will take a bit of time. All, all of these things you, you you talk about cost a lot of money, is, isn't it? Possible we're, we're moving to a, a future again where air travel will be relatively more. I mean, more, uh, flight tickets have come down hugely in real terms over the last couple of decades. But historically, uh, travelling by air was an expensive thing, and we may be moving back to that sort of situation in the future where people take fewer flights and they they are more expensive. Um, there are some factors that could contribute uh, to this. Of course, there are some costs associated with this, but uh, largely, uh, to a large part, the, let's say the pandemic control or virus control measures will be largely sort of digital. So there are some investments to be made, but uh, altogether, I would say, um, I don't know about the percentage, but you know, will it be something that we will be drastically, that will drastically increase the airfares? Uh, I, okay, so this is my personal opinion. I wouldn't necessarily expect that. There are some other aspects that are that are perhaps even more important than that, and this is the greening of the the aviation industry, right? I mean, people now there is a pandemic, but some people say actually the bigger threat is the is climate change. So then the question is, how can the aviation industry? You know, contribute to reducing uh, greenhouse gas emissions. This is a little bit different topic, but there are some measures involved which actually could lead to some increases. This this could make uh, air transport um, a little more 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 uh, more expensive. But altogether, you know, I, I, I think we will have cheap fares also in the future, uh, and uh, you know, the. Travel in the people will be traveling more in the future. I have no doubt about that. All right, uh, uh, Stanley Can as uh, chairman of the Greater Bay Area uh, Aviation Exchange Association. Mr. Can, good morning. Good morning. Hi, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Let's talk maybe about the uh, Cathay Pacific, if, if that's okay with you. Um, you know, they've so they've they've cut a lot of uh, of uh, resources. They're now offering these voluntary redundancies. Um, I guess they can't keep uh, doing that. Um, how do you feel about the prospects for Cathay Pacific? I think that you look into the uh, so-called the uh, voluntary resignation program. This is actually the uh, second time since last year. Mm-hmm. Cathay uh, Pacific mentioned this called uh, voluntary separate scheme, VSS. And when you go in deep to this program, I think there is several highlighted for our consideration and for our uh, highlight, first of all, is their focus. You know that this time they focus mainly it's for pilot, cabin crew, uh, airport staff, and uh, catering people. So mainly it's for all the operations. And then uh, the assumption is what you can see that they mentioned about short and medium term. So they um, assume there will be no improvement. Normally when we mention about short term, it's like you know, three to six months. When we talk about medium term, it's one and one and a half years. So based on their assumption, we can see that uh, the people's operations will be 
great they are thinking about it. Uh, will be right now until 2022, but in the second quarter or third quarter, will be still uh, possibly will be the same compared with what we are now. And third is when you look looking into the um, Cafe Pacific performance, you know that in last year they lost about 2.8 billion, and um, about the uh, about uh, 5,900 jobs out. So you can and, and don't forget that the last year government already give them quite a strong support in that in that case, um, and for CX to overcome the pandemic situations. And you can see the current situations. Capital Pacific still burning about 1.9 billion every month. I think that is a quite seriously hurt of the airline. Um, they just mentioned about that um, compared with 2019, um, they are only cover probably like 25 percent of the operations. So that's why when you go 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 back to see all the all, all the highlighted, you can also probably imagine why they need to come out with uh, VSS again, because as a cafe Pacific running up to now the situation, they have probably no more chance you know to suffer if they are not controlling the cost and they if they are not controlling the uh, operation uh, problems. Would there be any chance you know come again you know the the, the program probably the third program or or, or the uh, uh, fourth program, I think never to never. If, it, if the pandemic case continues, likely will become unpredictable. So never, ne- ne- never say uh, anything will not be happening. So you're saying um, medium, because CAFE has said that they don't expect things to change in the medium term. You're saying medium term is one to one and a half years. That actually, that takes us through to almost the end of next year. You're getting very close to 2023. And there's no guarantee even things that will, things will change then. What is there? I mean, it could be even longer. Um, recently, you can see half a business school, they come out with one research. They mentioned about probably the, uh, the uh, COVID-19 or the pandemic case will be forever with us. The only problem is probably people that get used to the pandemic. Um, so that's why the professor uh, from PolyU, they mentioned about the problem we need to get used to the new travel experience and probably we need to, to adapt it with the new travel patterns. At least from the airlines and both and, and some of the um, consultants, even I mentioned about not even 2022 or two, 2023 that whole um, the, uh, the global aviation will be go back or will be get back to 2019. So that's why um, based on the up and down situations, you know that um, in the beginning of this year we seem to be more stabilized. After the vaccinations, you know, it's going to be uh, uh, better. But now you see in uh, India, um, uh, uh, it's very serious in the world. And you see Singapore and Hong Kong, we start from the travel bubbles. But in the, next, in the last two days, you know, Hong Kong is coming up again. And Singapore is also getting some more cases. So we do need to look into the 26th of May. Would that be okay? Or would that be finally can kick off the uh, travel bubble between Hong Kong and Singapore? So you're saying that if, uh, if uh, COVID-19 is something permanent, is, are things like testing before we board, uh, board flights and maybe even some form of quarantine, are, are those going to be permanent features of life now and the travel experience has to adjust to testing and quarantine? Uh, that's a fun alternative. You can see the, uh, in the world now, basically all the countries are putting the uh, standards or barriers. They are not... They are not in principle, welcome the uh, outside travelers into the country. 
in order to avoid it, the pandemic case or the COVID will be continued, continuously affected. So, so far, all the governments and all the cities are basically putting the uh, uh, social uh, public uh, medicals into their highly um, um, priority. As soon as the country or as soon as the city, they can, why, they can well manage the uh, pandemics. They are the first one can be recovered. I can give you some figures. If you can look into China, you know, they just come out with some predictions. Uh, in the golden week, so-called, mean, mean that the first week of May, uh, I can see the air ticket price is about uh, 50% up compared with 2019. And uh, you can see that domestic flight in between China is also uh, come up about 20 percent. Um, yeah, but but was I, I, sorry I sorry but was but is that is that like back to 2018 levels or is that? Uh, no, compared with uh, right now compared to 2019 levels, yes. Okay. So that's what you see in China. Some of the flight, uh, they 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 fly a uh, number of flight, and then the price, the ticket price, is already even higher than. Than pre-COVID. Yeah. Okay, a couple of comments from listeners. Mike says, on air travel, redesign the interior of the passenger compartment to make it more passenger-friendly and sanitary. The air circulation systems are better than any restaurant. Minimal food service, wear N95 masks, no sick passengers allowed to board. Flying is safe, let them fly. That comes from Mike. Uh, and actually, uh, we had Benjamin Cowling was saying how good the uh, the air system actually is. The ventilation is on on aeroplanes. It was a it's pretty much safe. better than anywhere else. Problem yeah. is, you're sitting right next to other people that um, you don't necessarily know anything about, which is rarely the situ- situ- situation elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I suppose on MTR train maybe, but yeah. Uh, okay, uh, uh, John though says let the airline go bankrupt. This is on Cathay, I think. It was never a cheap airline. Someone will buy it. And many of the staff have had their big salaries for years. Why should the public keep financing a white elephant? The money would have been better spent sorting out the financial problems of the health service, like employing more doctors. That comes uh, from John. Uh, Stanley Can, yeah, do you think there will be a lot of people who say, uh, why should we keep pouring money into this, uh, into Cathay Pacific or other kind of uh, flag carriers? Um, someone's going to buy it. Let them, let them sort it out. Well, my, my, my comment is when you look into the future, uh, future positioning of, Hong, uh, of Cathay Pacific, I think there will be uh, two directions we can consider. First of all, is either the government will be expanded and continuously injected in CX group. Because uh, if the pandemic is further and the situation is further, the airlines, I'm quite sure, the further voluntary uh, separation uh, scheme or they, are, they, are, they, are, they, they, they will further control about the cost program will be continuously. That until one day, I think the government will have no way, but they may need to reconsider to further inject it in a six group. This is a, a one direction. Second direction, I think CX is already doing that. Is they are going to really reconsider? Would that be any way to reducing some of their sizes in order to fight, uh, fighting for the future survival? Uh, since this year, they are already talking to Boeing to uh, let introducing some of their aircraft. And probably for CX management group now is uh, we need to take into consideration probably uh, how to reduce or releasing some more airplanes in order to fit into the operations. Because when you say that uh, when the pandemic uh, is, is more stable, 
China and Hong Kong, if they can start to uh, reopen the operations. The most benefit I can see is uh, the other two home-based carriers, Hong Kong Express and Hong Kong Airlines, because they have more flights uh, in between China and Hong Kong. But Mercury Pacific Cafe is more international tonight, so I think they are recovered scheme and recovered time will, will need to take even longer. So is that the future for airlines in Hong Kong? They need to reorientate towards the China market? Um, definitely. I think China market will, 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 will be the core and will be the main uh, 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 important opportunity for Hong Kong market, definitely. Because you see like uh, what's happening in Australia, for instance, that, I mean, uh, very few international flights, but um, flights within Australia are still, um, still normal and uh, Qantas can still make a lot of money on internal flights in Australia. What I said at the beginning, um, if any country they can control the pandemic case better and good, I think they have the, the first successful case to be resumed. That's why you see that uh, in the world, the uh, travel bubble, I think the first successful case is Australia and New, and, uh, New, Zealand, uh, uh, is, uh, New Zealand. I think they're the first, first one to do in the travel bubbles. And Hong Kong doesn't also mention if Hong Kong thinks about the travel bubble case will be successful, the next round negotiation will be uh, Australia and New Zealand. So that's why I say, yes, these two countries are controlling well. So they are, they are, they are even recovered better than some of the places in Asia, Asia Pacific. So you can go back to something like normal air travel with inside these bubbles? Uh, Stanley Khan, you can have something like normal air travel inside a bubble? Um, well, it's very hard to... Uh, it's very hard to uh, predict. That's why I, I think the main point is still the, uh, uh, the vaccinations. This depends on how the country and the city to, to doing the uh, vaccinations program better. Because if you can see, normally what we call the acceptance level is like probably 7 to 80% okay, of, the whole, of the whole country and whole city. Hong Kong right now we have about 750 to 800,000 uh, 800, people already uh, participated. It's like, I think it's, it's still far behind with the uh, acceptable levels. Okay. That's why how to promote it and how to motivate the people to, to do that. I think we still need to, to do some more work. Okay, we've got a break now for the news at 9 o'clock. We'll continue the conversation after that. The weather, fine, hot during the day. Temperatures up to about 30 degrees with light winds. Few showers on Sunday night. 24 degrees now. Relative humidity is at 78%. Listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is uh, Back Chat on a Friday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Hugh Chiverton, last one of the uh, week. Uh, and Danny will be the chair, in fact, on, on Monday. Uh, uh, and back to the usual arrangement on uh, Tuesday. That's with uh, Mike Grouse coming up uh, on Monday. We're talking this morning about um, the future of uh, Cathay Pacific. This is after the uh, company uh, offered its uh, Hong Kong-based pilots, cabin crew and airport staff voluntary redundancy as part of a severe cost-cutting measures. Uh, and later we're going to be talking about uh, controversy over the uh, immigration uh, ordinance 
uh, with a kind of possible loophole. Uh, we'll be talking about that with uh, Andrew Lung. If you want to join in, we want to hear from you. You can email backchat at rthk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages. You can go to our Facebook page. That's backchat and rthk radio 3. Uh, we'll do the same and everyone can see your comments. Uh, or you can call us and our number is 233-88266 and, and join right in, 233-88266. Uh, we're joined for our discussion of uh, Cathay Pacific and the aviation industry as a whole by uh, Stanley H.Y. Khan, who's uh, chairman of the Greater Bay Area Aviation Exchange Association, and Akim Cherny, who's an associate professor in the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at the Polytechnic University. Our email once again, backchat.rthk.hk. Uh, Akim Cherny, a question from a listener. Uh, Tim says, I would be interested whether the panellists think CAFE would have been better to keep CAFE Dragon and get rid of the international CAFE business and focus on servicing China rather than focusing on the international market in CAFE Pacific. Um, Akim Cherny, your thoughts? Uh, I, well, I, 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 my personal opinion, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think it is um, good to, to you know, streamline the brand. I think uh, they had their reasons for that, and now you have Hong Kong uh, Express uh, that can sort of uh, step in as a low cost carrier. Um, and um, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily see that there was uh, that it is a big advantage of having Cathay Dragon relative to um, sort of not having it. Well, uh, Cafe Dragon had most... We're saying that uh, China offers much greater prospects in terms of travel than the, the, the rest of the world, or at least the non-Australian part of the rest of the world, for some time to come in the future. Uh, Cafe Dragon had most of the flights to uh, China. I, I know cafes managed to get many of them back, but uh, it seems counterintuitive. You, you dump the airline that's serving the place that's least affected. Mm, uh, definitely. I think uh, the China market will be important. There is no, there is no doubt about it. And if the the um, sort of uh, the, the the stopping of the uh, Cafe Dragon would mean that there is a major, uh, this is a major obstacle to serving the the China market, then that I think uh, in, uh, I would agree this is an issue. But I, I hope and I, I I think they will have thought about it. And uh, definitely the China market will be will be important. It's the most dynamic. Uh, uh, market uh, in, in, in the world with, with high growth rates and uh, definitely um, the, the presence over there is, is, is important. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another email, this is from MT, who says, and uh, this is something we touched on actually before the news, uh, stated yesterday on Backchat, the proven transmission of COVID-19 in, in flight is very, very low. The airline industry, including uh, Cathay Pacific, is a victim of the lockdowns. Going forward, the right to travel will be determined by the entry requirement of the destination company, most probably uh, a proven vaccination. That's from, from uh, MT. Um, the, another issue is just what's going to happen uh, to the staff, uh, uh, pilots uh, and others, uh, in, uh, many of whom you know, are, are based in Hong Kong, uh, live in Hong Kong, uh, quite a few from uh, overseas, uh, uh, in an industry which looks to be shrinking uh, overall. Will there just be simply too many pilots and, and, and what's going to happen then? Um, Stanley Can, any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, what do you do if you're a pilot now? Um, I, 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 I would say that um, based on the uh, VSS program, I would say the Cafe Pacific are not only, you know, putting the uh, people's out. I think they have considered putting... Uh, so, so, so that's why they call it the separation scheme. 
um, they, they, they want to really start the program, you know, from now until probably in the middle of May. And then they, uh, they wanted to keep up the program at the end of May. Uh, as far as they say, they don't have any expectations. They don't have any target yet for the, for the number of staff. But I would say internally, they may, they may also set up some of their intentions. Otherwise, they will not stay on the program with finally no, no, nobody interested. I mean, they, they still will, 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 will take some of the actions. But I would say the program is not really so-called bad programs. They really also consider uh, uh, the uh, service year, and they also keep up some of the uh, air ticket benefits and all the uh, also free ticket to the staff and also the uh, insurance or whatever. And of course, people will not be happy. Some of the staff, they're working for airlines for so many years and they're still facing the uh, problem right now. But I, I, I would say, that's what, that's what I say, this is something cannot control by Cafe Pacific or the other home-based carrier. It's, it, it's the pandemic going to be taking longer. It's not only for aviation, but all the industry are going to be suffering. Airlines will be the main and airlines will be the, the most seriously hurt. Um, what, what are we going to do for the staff? I think one of the problems uh, or, or one of the opportunities, uh, we still hope the uh, Greater Bay Area Airlines, they can successfully to, to be launched. Because at the beginning, they mentioned about operating the third quarter. At the end of third quarter, they are able to be operated. And um, in, based on that schedule, uh, probably May or, 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 or in June time, they need to recruit um, a, a lot of people, especially for the operational people. In that case, Probably this time when Cafe Pacific lay off some of the people or, or, or some of the people voluntarily leave Cafe Pacific so they may have a chance to join if the recruitment coming from uh, GBA airlines will be in time. So they be, people switching over to airlines. But that raises the same question our listener raised. Uh, why does, why does uh, Cafe shut down Cafe Dragon serving China if that's going to be the growth area in the next couple of years? Uh, I think one of the main reasons for uh, Cafe Pacific to uh, to uh, release uh, uh, Cafe Dragon is because they are quite similar of the operation, and at the same time they have Hong Kong Express as well. You know, the Hong Kong Express are doing the low cost carrier and they focus on the uh, 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 city in China and uh, and majority of the Asia Pacific. So it's quite the same uh, route, but Cafe Pacific are internally fighting in between themselves. So that's why they are, they are now they are, uh, are stop the uh, Cafe Dragon and CX take back some of the route in order to operate by themselves. So that's what I assume. And I, I, I also suggest that uh, CX uh, management team should uh, later on increase uh, piece by piece of their operation in mainland using the CX brand name and at the same, at the same time using uh, Hong Kong Express, uh, the LCC carrier to fit into the... Uh, other city and, and Asia Pacific. I think this is a good match for, 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 for the whole uh, cafe group. So they have an LCC model, and at the same time, they have the full service carrier model in, into, the, into the whole. I think that's better for them. Uh, Ajim Cherney, um, one thing we haven't talked about is uh, seating on aeroplanes. Of course, uh, just before the pandemic struck, uh, CAFE controversially increased the, uh, the density of seating economy class where most people travel. So you're really shoulder to shoulder with someone else. And other, of course, they did this because other airlines around the world have been doing this. You're packing people mm -hmm. in closer and closer mm -hmm. in, in a COVID world. And if there's always going to be some kind of COVID around, is that kind of thing going to have to change? Uh, 
you know, I, I think the technicians have to tell how the how the transmission of the virus depends on how, you know, of course, the closer. We know that social distancing is important. Uh, on the other hand, if you make sure that if you can really ensure that all the people on the plane, they don't have the vaccine, then you mean they don't uh, have the virus, uh, actually right? they don't have the virus, then in this situation, uh, you can still go back to the situation where you sort of. Uh, 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 try to get more people into the uh, into a given aircraft uh, uh, in order to reduce the cost, and also in part, uh, then this helps uh, reducing the the airfares for travelers. Right? If you have a more capacity, you can have more passengers. Then this will also uh, mean that uh, airfares will be uh, exactly. lower, and then also passengers can benefit from this. So I think this has all over, uh, sort of been considered like a controversial issue, but I think for passengers. Uh, Yes, I mean, sitting more tightly, closer to your neighbor is not very nice. But on the other hand, saving some money on the airfares is a good thing. And we know that many, many people are sensitive and they like to save money rather than, you know, and they are willing to uh, sacrifice a little bit of comfort for having lower fares. So I think, uh, you know, I, I don't see um, that this is sort of a major, major issue right now. What about business travel? Uh, that whole question of whether people are going to travel so much when they, or are they going to be doing a lot more Zooming? Yeah. So I think this is also another, this is a very interesting question and area. Uh, and a lot of people have lots of different opinions. If you look at this, uh, of course, with these, with these technologies, uh, the, you know, the, the communication has become so efficient. I'm doing all these Zoom uh, video conferences all the time, and I think they're really good. Uh, on the other hand, uh, and then this means that for this, that sort of there is, should be some negative effect on traveling because sort of, you know, why travel if you, if you can have, an, uh, you know, with much less effort have an online meeting uh, international, bringing mm. people together from all over the world at very low cost. Well, uh, there is another uh, aspect of this, uh, and this is because it is now so, and that, that's something that is important to keep in mind, and this is why I believe that business travel is not going to die, uh, so that it will continue to be an important factor. Uh, and this is, with these technologies also, this sort of stimulates businesses, you know, businesses, uh, across the globe. So people are have it easier sort of to get together. This means they can set up their businesses more easily, but then this creates more demand for also just being face-to-face. So uh, the, 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 in a sense, the society or the businesses are becoming more global, and this sort of creates also a higher demand for for business travel. So overall, I would say uh, in the long term, I, I, I do believe that business travel is going to survive and will be an important part of the air transport industry. Uh, Stanley Khan, how about the future of business travel? Um, I, I would say uh, uh, the whole uh, traveling experience and uh, the airline itself will be, will be also uh, taking into this time to really consider changing whole their operations. For example, you know that some of the airlines already decide to cut off all the uh, short and medium haul, the uh, catering uh, services. They are only serving probably some of the drink or, or very simple snack only. Uh, business class will also uh, 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 simplify all the uh, all the business meal. I mean, this is the uh, uh, the, the way. Uh, even the full service carrier will learn from the LCC business model. 
now but but I agree that you know business cars and also in the long haul business travel there will be no choice. You, know, you need to serve something, right? So that's why I think only for the long haul flight we still cannot changing the uh, meal services, but short haul and uh, medium haul uh, uh, probably they are going to uh, be considered to uh, cut off the meal services, but only serving trains. And probably it will be also on uh, request basis, or, or, or also probably it will be on the uh, so-called uh, buying service service. You may need to order in advance so you can get it. If you don't want that, don't tell the airlines, and they will serve. They will not serve it for free. Okay, interesting email from John Kowloon, who says that on Cathay Pacific, uh, it should be pointed out that while COVID and the 2019 political unrest in Hong Kong severely hurt Cathay's business over the past couple of years, the airline's financial woes and underperformance go back much further. Indeed, during the period 2015 to 19, Cathay lost money in two of those five years. Even if we look at a recent normal year, i.e. pre-social unrest, such as 2018, Cathay made a profit of just $1.69 billion a fraction of the core profit of almost 12 billion it posted a decade ago in 2010 this deterioration in its financial returns reflects a intensifying competition particularly from the highly rated Gulf airlines such as Qatar and uh, Emirates, as well as from low-cost carriers. B, Cathay's bloated costs, such as overpaid expat pilots. And C, poor head office management, best illustrated by sizable fuel hedging costs. No doubt Cathay's earnings will recover as COVID cases decline and regional travel picks up. But its best days as an investment, both for equity investors and its major shareholders, are in the distant past. Swire Pacific should buy the bullet and sell its stake to Air China. That's from uh, John Calhoun. Thank you very much indeed for that. And thank you very much indeed to our guests this morning. Thank you to uh, Stanley Kat, uh, Chairman of the Greater Bay Area Aviation Exchange Association, and Akim Jenny, Associate Professor in the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at the Polytechnic University. Thank you very much indeed uh, for your comments. A uh, variety of uh, observations and thoughts on other issues. Uh, just before we get into our final topic uh, this week, S says, So, now, bars are thinking of giving $100 spending vouchers. Are they at the same time going to increase their prices? Uh, and uh, Dave says, Could you please clarify, because there is confusion, is the BioNTech vaccine finishing in August without a reorder? In which case, if Europe won't accept China vaccine, then many people are screwed. That comes uh, from Dave. I don't think there is a clear answer. I think the they said you that. can still continue to get in hospitals, don't they? But they, uh, the community vaccination centres will shut down. OK. Uh, OK. Uh, Mary, uh, in an email, says... The panty-wetting response of Immigration Department to the recent Audit Commission report on fake marriages is a clear indication that power has gone to the head of representatives of our security services. They now believe that they are both unaccountable and above the law. Accusations of fake news against the media when stories show them up in a less than flattering light, smearing of the judiciary and legal community, support from a supine legco, the emasculation of the ICAC, are all indications that we are now on a slippery slope towards the conditions that existed pre-1974 when the community was plagued by rampant corruption because there was no accountability. Anyone who lives in older buildings in bar areas and chats with fellow residents is well aware that fake marriages are the easy route to an ID card. If officials were to employ a fraction of the time and resources devoted to curbing our rights to, fo to following up on cases, the Audit Commission would have nothing to report. The community looks forward to the twice-yearly audit reports that meticulously expose 
lax standards and failures in governance. That this final bastion of accountability is now under siege sends a shiver down the spine of law-abiding citizens. That is from Mary. Thank you very much indeed for that. Backchat at rthk.hk uh, is our email address. Agree or disagree. Uh, and on the immigration bill, Alan says, apparently the immigration bill is written in the mainland style, where it gives the government of the day total discretion as to how it is enforced. Like the extradition bill, which Carrie told us would have oversight and protect residents, but neglected to put in any of these constraints on paper. We know that this can and will be abused. Next time some paranoid CE or police chief decides that some resident is actually a deep cover agent for the NED or a reporter who was checking licence plates, etc. Since we have no oversight, since all criticism is now illegal, since only patriots can be heard, this is the pattern for all legislation now. That's from Alan. And the immigration bill that uh, is, is now that it's now an immigration amendment ordinance which is passed by uh, the Legislative Council on Wednesday that Alan was referring to. Um, the government says that it's uh, the, the purpose of this bill is, or now now the amendments to the ordinance is to uh, try and uh, prevent uh, an influx of refugees into Hong Kong. Uh, the actual amendment to the immigration ordinance uh, gives the uh, Secretary for Security uh, the power to make regulations that um, can ban airlines from carrying any particular person passenger. Uh, however, it's worded in a way that it could refer to either flights to Hong Kong or flights from Hong Kong. The uh, government says that it's only their intention to use it um, for flights uh, to Hong Kong, but of course the uh, wording of the law is wider than that, and this has uh, attracted considerable concern. A bar association, among others, who uh, seem to have initially missed this point in, in the amendments, um, it was only when public attention was brought on it, uh, a very strong statement about how the right of Hong Kong people to travel to and from Hong Kong uh, is protected under the Hong Kong Basic Law, and a strong response from the government uh, saying that uh, they have no intention of violating um, Hong Kong. Hong Kong people's rights and smear stories are being spread about this amendment. Uh, joining us to discuss the controversy over this change to the immigration ordinance is uh, Andrew Leung, international and independent China strategist and former director general of social welfare. Mr Leung, good morning. Welcome back to Back Chat. Good morning. Now, this all, as our listener just said, and there's also an editorial on the Hong Kong Standard saying the same thing this morning, this all seems like a rerun of the, uh, the, the extradition bill, where the uh, government says the bill is doing one thing. In that case, it was extradition to Taiwan. In this case, it's stopping um, influx of refugees to Hong Kong. But the um, bill actually allows for something else as well, which makes people very suspicious. Well, as Mark Train said, um, this is uh, similar to what Mark Train said. This is a gross exaggeration. Um, but let's be uh, realistic. Um, Hong Kong has always had the right uh, to deny uh, entry into Hong Kong. I mean, there's the right to deny entry. Um, exists not only in Hong Kong, but in many other territories and countries. Um, the current um, the, uh, the kind of worry and concern and kind of uh, uh, controversy is the lack of clarity uh, in the bill, um, which seems to, to extend uh, to restrictions uh, on exit. But then uh, the uh, minister, the, uh, the security minister, uh, Mr. Lee, uh, has openly uh, pledged um, that uh, this is not the intention, and then the um, uh, the law will be made um, extremely clear in the subsidiary legislation. Um, then, of course, he can be held to account. Uh, it's unfortunate that the uh, uh, the intention of the law is not made clear in the original bill, and the legislators um, screening the bill 
um, have not sort of uh, seek qualification. But uh, since the minister has made this clear and is undertaken to um, um, to ensure that the intention and also the regulations are specially targeted at the um, uh, sort of uh, fake asylum seekers. So I think that the um, uh, the Legislative Council and also the people of Hong Kong should hold the government to account on that one. But uh, let's be uh, re- uh, uh, also be clear that the um, so-called fake asylum seekers is a huge problem. Over eight years, Hong Kong, uh, the taxpayer, has paid out something like seven billion Hong Kong dollars uh, in eight years uh, over this kind of um, over judicial review for these asylum seekers. Um, as a former um, legal aid administrative coordinator uh, um, in the early 90s, I'm, I'm fairly au fait with the kind of process. And then, uh, of course, Hong Kong is very famous for the so-called uh, Chang Chao uh, Judicial Review King, who this kind of ordinary citizen um, is a champion um, uh, for all these JR cases, using for all for all sorts of reasons um, if, uh, over the, the kind of uh, uh, protest uh, over the past two years and a host of other reasons. I'm not saying that this, this is uh, uh, the judicial review pro- uh, uh, process is very part and parcel of Hong Kong's rule of law, but apparently this has been misused and it's been misused hugely uh, for these kind of fake asylum seeker cases. So I think that let's make clear, make this clear, that that's the intention of the law, and even though it's unfortunate, it's not clearly spelled out in the original bill, uh, and the legislators uh, somehow failed fail to make this clear. Um, and as the security minister has openly pledged that this will make clear in the subsidiary legislation, let's make sure that this is the case. Well, let's follow up on that point. You say it's unfortunate it wasn't made clear in the original bill. It would have been very easy to do, firstly in the drafting, I'm looking at the relevant wording here, or you yourself know, having been involved in so many legislation bills going through LegCo, you can easily propose a committee stage amendment to amend the bill. Instead, they deliberately don't do that. um, And um, they they rely on a statement um, because then they have the, the law in place and there's nothing to stop them if they want to later on well, they say uh, this set of regulations is only for people coming to hong kong they could easily make another set of regulations later applying to people leaving from hong kong the law allows them to do so well i'm not too sure about the de- deliberately uh, kind of uh, speculation um of course there's all sorts of conspiracy theories um but i'm one um, taking these kind of conspiracy theory speculation with a large grain of salt um, but you see, if, the, if, the, that, if, the, if this speculation turns out to be true, it would create a huge kind of uh, furore in the public. Uh, and of course, the various people would also challenge the government. Uh, I don't think that the Hong Kong government, uh, or, or for that matter, um, the Beijing, uh, would be as stupid as that. Uh, there is no need to do so, because uh, you look at some of the protesters, um, uh, or, or, or I would say rioters who committed offences, even leading um, sort of pan-democrat uh, uh, activists who have recently convicted. I mean, there are all sorts of legal means uh, to take them to account, and to use this um, as a means of stopping people leaving Hong Kong. I don't think that the... Um, Beijing or the, or the Hong Kong government would descend into that. But as I said, I mean, you know, let, let's hold the, 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 that as it may, um, 
uh, it needs to be made clear, and the minister has, has pledged that it will be made clear in the subsidiary legislation. Well, let's hold the government to account on that one. A lot of people would say that, we, that, that they were very misled by government comments on the national security legislation. We, 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 people would say we were led to believe this would only attract, this would only affect a handful of people, a handful of secessionists, uh, 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 and so on. Uh, in fact, uh, you could argue it's been the uh, the motor for massive changes to every aspect of life in Hong Kong. Well, I don't think that if it, if it um, uh, the legislation is um, uh, places restrictions on certain people coming into Hong Kong, I don't think there was a massive change, as I said at the beginning. Uh, this uh, right to deny the entry of people into Hong Kong has always existed in mm. Hong Kong and in many other territories and countries. So I, I don't think that that's the case. But of course, it's, uh, uh, people deny entry could be for various reasons, and normally these reasons are not big, um, open, um, because some of them are denied uh, entry for political reasons, rightly, because all, uh, all countries have, the, have this right to do so. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that this current legislation is intended to apply uh, on the um, departure of people from Hong Kong, because that is governed by Hong Kong's various rules and regulations under the basic law. Okay, well, um, uh, an email from G, who says, please read out loud the exact words of the amendment to the ordinance. Do you have that yes, to I hand, have, Danny? Yes. Uh, regulate the Secretary for Security may make regulations to empower the director, that would be the director of immigration, to direct that a passenger or a member of crew of a carrier may or may not be carried on board the carrier. It's as simple as that. So uh, the carrier can be uh, can going to or from Hong Kong. It does require, of course... Uh, and the that would apply itself, to permanent residents or not? That would apply to anyone? Yes, of course. It would be vulnerable to challenge for inconsistency with the basic law and so on. This is the local law. Um, of course, it does require subsidiary legislation, but this subsidiary legislation does not have to be approved by LegCo. It's subject to negative vetting. What that means is you just give it to LegCo, and unless they object within, uh, I think it's 28 days, it, it, uh, it's then confirmed. All right. Uh, one, okay. Well, uh, we're out of time actually. So uh, many thanks to uh, Andrew Lung, international and independent China strategist. Thank you, Mr. Lung, once again, uh, former director general of uh, social welfare. Danny, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Jim says I'm a Hong Kong permanent resident, holding a return ticket on a Cathay flight in May. I returned to Hong Kong on the 22nd of December 2020 on a Cathay flight. There is no issue in crowding on the flight. Why assume that a condition would exist? All travellers have been tested within 72 hours of boarding the flight. There is no concern of contamination. Stop trying to frighten inbound travellers. The cabin service was excellent. That's uh, from uh, Jim. I think actually we were saying the flights were safe. The flights are safe, especially at the moment because there's so few people on them, right? Mm. Okay, well, uh, Danny, thank you very much indeed. Uh, thanks once again to uh, Michelle Chan, our uh, programme producer. As I say, Danny will be uh, in the chair with uh, Mike, Mike Rouse, on uh, Monday. And here's the weather. It's going to be fine, hot, with temperatures up to about 30 degrees today. Light winds, the outlook, mainly fine and hot over the weekend, and then a few showers on Sunday night and early next week. 25 degrees, the latest reading. The relative humidity is at 77%. Have a good weekend. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. 
Let's get vaccinated. I'm 32. The news now with Samantha Butler. Despite the government easing restrictions on eateries if staff have had COVID jabs, around 70% are sticking with the previous rules of opening until 10, with tables of four people who need to note down their contact details. Simon Wong from the Federation of Restaurants says only around 10 to 15% of restaurants are trying option C, which allows them to open until midnight with six people per table, but with all staff having at least one vaccine dose. Rescue workers in Israel say at least 38 people have been killed and scores more injured in a crush at a Jewish festival. Tens of thousands of Hasidic Jews had gathered in the north of the country to celebrate. And Brazil has announced more than 400,000 people have now died with the coronavirus as its health services continue to struggle. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. And where oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy counts, co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decipher of what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Morning, morning, and welcome to Friday here on The Morning Brew. I'm Phil Whelan. We're off to a new destination this morning at 10.10. The South Pacific Ocean nation of Vanuatu. Because former Morning Brew cricket man and boss of Hong Kong cricket, Tim Cutler, has just become the CEO of Vanuatu Cricket. Massive life change. Very exciting challenge. And we're just going to find out what's going on. That's definitely worth finding out about. After 11 today, we continue with the sport. It's Sports and All with Danny Hicks. We'll be on Facebook Live. And, of course, we will be as well after 12 when we're off to the movies with our bespoke critic, James Marsh.